You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. This is smaller. I might fall off. This is dangerous. Anybody ever see the movie uh, American Sniper? The, the Sniper, the Bradley Cooper movie? There, there's, this, there's this weird... Uh, there's this weird thing where he would go from being, he'd, he'd go from being at war to, you know, coming home and he's shopping in the grocery store or whatever. He's just going through life, but he knows his brothers are still in war. And um, I just, I, it was hitting me as I'm worshiping, you know, because I, I, I'm, uh, those of you who don't know, I was on the, the, the weekend away and um came back to be able to preach this morning. And you need to know, like, you need to know that your fathers, your sons, your brothers, the men of this church are in a war. They're in a battle. They're in a battle right now. And, um, you know, we say the, the weekend away, or we say retreat, but, you know, we, we told our guys, that, like, it's an engagement. It's, it's a battle. And when they come home, they're not going to be refreshed. They're not playing soccer. They're, they're not messing around. Um, they are literally going through their lives um, in detail with each other. And they are helping one another carry the burden of their experiences to the cross to be able to experience the freedom that Christ has offered us. And it is a painful, hard process. Um, but it's one that has dramatically impacted a lot of the men in this church. It's dramatically impacted. It's, it's helped shape um, our pursuit of Christ in the church. And my hope, my prayer, is that everyone in the church will have an opportunity to go down that path, to be able to experience what these guys are going through this weekend. But I, I, I feel like I need to let you know that. Um, I need to let you know that. Wives, you need to be forewarned. Like, they have used every word they will use for a month in, like, one day. I mean, um, but they're not going to, like... I heard Holly and five kids, and I'm just thinking, poor Josh. It's like, when he comes home, if you think he's refreshed and you're just going to give him five kids and he's going to be okay. What did I say? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's going to be an issue. Let's pray. God, I pray right now. I pray for the men uh, that are away the men of this church, the men of this family, of this body, I pray for burdens to be lifted this weekend. I pray for brotherhood to be established in Christ, true, real, life-giving, Christ-centered fellowship and freedom and brotherhood. And I do pray for those left behind um, that there would be no bitterness, (laughs) that there would be strength to get through, um, that they would know uh, that the fight is a fight for all of our hearts. And I pray for all of us this morning. I pray that God would use the word that we're going to look at this morning to help us better understand ourselves, to better understand um, the war that's being waged in all of our lives for our heart and in the pursuit of Christ. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So you're thinking, wow, 
uh, I was not expecting anything too deep. Uh, you know, like we're going we're gonna to worship, we're going to sing songs. Maybe your experience of church is, you know, it's, it's fun on Sundays, but how real is it? And I just want you to know that we believe it's real. <laughs> we believe that Jesus is real. We believe that um, there is power to change. There is power um, to live life in a way that is more life than you could ever experience without him. And um, for that reason, we have guys that are going through this battle. And so you might be wondering, like, why? Why? Why would they do this? Why would they go and go through this process? And so I want to look at some scripture this morning um, from Genesis. And we're going to look at the story of Adam and Eve, but really it's the story of all of us. It's the story of all of us in our brokenness. It's the story that we've all experienced. Um, and what we're going to do is just try to highlight um, some of our tendencies, the tendencies that we have as men and as women and the tendencies of God in that process. And so we're going to look at the, the fall of man. We're going to start with Genesis chapter 2. Um, so God has formed man. God has personally formed man out of the stardust. Where's Becky? <laughs> out of the stardust. Stars exploding. And he takes the dust and he personally makes us. He personally forms us. He breathes life into us, and then he gives rulership over the earth. He says, you, man, are called different than the animals. You are called to rule. You are given dominion over the earth. And then he does this in in, um, chapter 2, starting in verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. God's command brings freedom, right? Isn't that odd? That God's command, he doesn't say, don't do this, don't do this. He says, you are free. His command is, you are free to eat from any tree. You're free, there is freedom in my command, but not this one. Then after he gives his command, he uh, declares that it's not good for man to be alone. And he brings all the living creatures to Adam to name. And at the end of it, nothing is suitable for Adam. Nothing is suitable as, as, as companionship for him. And so he creates Eve. And Adam's stoked. He sings a little song. And then God institutes and blesses marriage. Then it comes to this, Genesis chapter 2. Verse 25, Adam and, the man, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. They were not shamed. That man and woman, when they were created, when they were created in the image of God, when they're in the garden, they were naked or naked. And they were un, there was no shame in it. There was no shame. There was nothing to hide. They were perfectly secure in their identity. They were perfectly secure in who they were. Nothing to hide. Totally vulnerable. Totally exposed. Totally comfortable in that place. Their identity securely in place. All right, so, so we're, we're, we're getting to the place, right? We've established that in the beginning, everything's great. Man and, and, and woman are created. They're running around, kibbles and bits hanging out. 
There are some people that think, there are some people that think that you're supposed to go back to that. Actually, if you go and you look at the scriptures, I mean, if you go and you, don't Google it, don't Google it, you'll find people that think that we should all be naked now because of Christ. Uh, We don't believe that at River City um, in the physical sense. But we get to Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. After the fall, after they had violated this command, they experienced something they had never experienced before. Right? They felt shame. They realize they're naked. They feel there's an emotional response to not living in a way that is consistent with the identity that they knew they had in him. Right? There was a bad emotion that followed that guilt, conviction, shame, the belief that the, what I've done is not congruous with who I am that my actions aren't consistent with the identity that I believe that I have. If we're honest, we can relate to this. All of us. Here's the thing. Believers, non-believers, same boat. We all recognize our moral failings, our inability to live up to our own ideals. That's true. Across the board, we experience this deep down this great chasm between our actions and the image that we bear. And we can say, no, no, I don't feel bad. No, 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 I don't feel guilty. But we do. It is a conviction. It is a, it is a truth that we are, when we don't live, when we violate commands, that we're not living in a way that's consistent with that image. We have this awareness that things are not the way they're supposed to be. So continuing on. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? The Lord seeking them out. They're hiding. But he's seeking them out and he's calling, Where are you? He knows where they are. (laughs) he's not like he's surprised where are you why why are you hiding from me i'm your creator i just formed you why why he answered adam i heard you in the garden and i was afraid first time we see fear i was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. 
The man says, I was, af- I was afraid. I was afraid. The first time we experienced fear in the Bible, he was afraid of what? Of being exposed. He was afraid of his failings being exposed. And so he hid. I was afraid because of what I've done. And I heard you, my God. I heard you, my creator. The one who called me, who established the great purposes for me. I heard you and I was afraid. So what did I do? I hid. Pick it up in verse 11. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, (laughs) in a whiny voice, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Okay, it doesn't say that, but it reads that way. What does this tell us about our tendencies? What does this tell us about our tendencies when we have these experiences that we all have of experiencing shame? What is our tendency as men and women, as image bearers, what suffering in the flesh? What's our tendencies? Look at all the things that happened and how the man responded. This fear of being found out. When we've done something wrong or when something wrong has been done to us or something has been said about us, true, untrue, doesn't matter, the feeling is the same. When our performance isn't enough when we try as hard as we can and we lose the job or we try as hard as we can and we fall further into debt our performance just isn't enough where is it that we go how do we respond to that what are our tendencies when we feel naked when we feel exposed when we feel like people know stuff about me i don't want them to know i don't want them to know this about me i want to be able to hide it how do we respond to that One of the things we see is we hide. We hide. We hide from God. Rather than run to him, rather than run to him, we act like he doesn't exist. That's more comfortable for us. We act like he doesn't even exist. Never mind that in the the scripture that we just read, he literally just spoke to them. He literally will speak to us. And then we experience shame and what do we do we want to hide we want to hide from him or we forget how quickly did adam forget how quickly did he forget the loving kindness demonstrated to him in the creation did he forget the goodness of god how quickly did he forget the charge that he had in our guilt we hide from the one who created us and can restore us We hide. We hide from other people. We isolate ourselves, right? We keep them at a distance. If they stay this far away, they won't see these parts of my life. If I just keep them at this distance, there's no way they will know these parts of my life that are broken, that bring me shame, that bring me guilt. Whether it's legitimate or not, whether it's something I did or didn't do, it doesn't matter. The experience is the same. I don't want you to know this about me, and so I will isolate myself from you. That means I will keep you at an arm's length. I will hide from people. I don't want you to see parts of my life. 
Why? I'm afraid. I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid of judgment. We hide. We hide from God. We hide from others. And we try to cover ourselves. Fig leaves. We work harder. Man, I know how I can cover it up. I know I've screwed this thing up or this thing has happened or I feel this way. I'm just going to work harder. I can work harder. I can make it right. I can just, I can cover it up. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to give more. I'm going to serve more. I'm going to do, do, do. We hide behind this false self covered with sewed up fig leaves. And just like them, we struggle with responding to shame by covering ourselves with these ridiculous attempts. I mean, it matters when he stands out in front of God. And God's like looking him up and down like, hey, what, what, what you got on there, bud? Oh, this is, a, this is bikini briefs. You know, it's like, I just made these. Like, that's, that's what we're like. Oh, look at me. Look at all the cool things I've done, God. Like, he doesn't see your junk, literally. Like, he doesn't see... (laughs) You know? Like, we're really covering it up. Oh, look at me, God. I'm awesome. Look at me. Look at what I've done. Covering it up. We blame. We blame. We blame. Adam, he points the finger at God and Eve. You put her here. We blame, we look, well, you don't know what my dad was like. You don't know what my family was like. You don't know the things that have happened to me. Drives me crazy with my kids. There's times where they'll do something and it's like I am so over whatever it is that they did. I just want them to admit it and move on. But what do they do? They argue with you and they blame, well, it wasn't my fault. And then you're like, just own it so we can move on. But it's our tendency. We don't want to own it. Why? Because we have pride. I want to hide it. I'm going to blame somebody. I'm going to get out of this one way or the other. But God, look at God, the way that he approaches it. He seeks us out. He seeks us out. Man, I had this powerful picture. We were praying before the service. I just had this picture of one of my kids in... um, in darkness, in an abandoned house, and just crying, like feeling that they can't come. And I'm, I'm on the road, and I don't know where they are, and I'm calling for them. Like, come out. Come out. But my, my, my kid's too afraid. That's the heart of the Father. That's the heart that Jesus shows us of the Father. God seeks us out. He doesn't want us in that place. He doesn't want us in that place of darkness. He doesn't want us in that place of guilt and shame. We will end up there, yes, but we will not live there because he seeks us out and he provides a way out. We may be in that place, but we shouldn't live in that place. God, What does he do? What can we learn from the way that God deals with them? What were the things that he was trying to encourage them to do, right? God asks them questions. 
Over and over, he's asking them questions. Who told you that? Why did you do this? Like, what's, like, he knows. Where are you? He knows the answer to these questions. Why? Why is he asking them? He wants them to talk. Will you just talk to me? God is saying, will you just talk to me? In the midst of your shame, in the midst of your guilt, in the midst of this dark area, will you just bring it to me? Will you just talk to me about it? Rather than running and hiding, will you just bring it to me? Will you be honest with me? Will you approach me with sincerity, with humility, just recognizing who you are and who I am, not covered with your ridiculous fig leaf? In humility, recognizing brokenness, will you come to me? Is what God is saying. And that's why right now, right now there's over 50 guys from this church helping one another. Helping, it sounds horrible, get naked. They're helping them pull off those fig leaves. They're helping them figure out what are the coverings in your life. There's no way around that not being funny. I'm like, how do I say it? But it, don't let the seriousness of that statement be lost on you. Right now, there are over 50 guys that are trying to help one another. They're in groups of six or seven guys, and they are trying to go through their life to help one another recognize the fig leaves, recognize the coverings, recognize those areas of their life, those darkness that they don't think God wants to know. That God, I can't talk to God about that. He doesn't, he doesn't want to know about this. He, whatever. They've created these fictions and they're fighting for each other's hearts. Why do we do this? Why do we go through this ridiculous exercise that will cost us, that will, <laughs> right now, Right now, our prayer are for those guys that are like, I cannot believe I shared that yesterday. I cannot believe now these five other guys know something about me that some of them, I've never told anyone else. No one. And I've told these guys. And right now they're second guessing it. And right now the the enemy is whispering the lie of you need to hide. You need to run. You need to cover that stuff up. They know. They will reject you. They will judge you. John, in his letter to the church, he says this. He says, but if we walk in the light, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we step out of the darkness, if we drop our fig leaves, if we step out and walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have relationship, real relationship with one another. Not fake Sunday morning, how are you doing? Just loving the Lord. Just loving the Lord. Not that. When we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God describes the consequences of their sin. So he calls them out. He asks them the questions and then he goes on to describe the consequences of their sin. There's consequences. 
We're forgiven. We're made righteous. But make no mistake, we're deceiving ourselves if we don't think there's consequences of living in a way that's inconsistent with the way that life was designed. When we live in a way that's inconsistent with the identity that we have in Christ as image bearers, there will be consequences. Sometimes by miracle, we get shielded from those consequences. But not always. God clearly tells them, here are the consequences of what you've done. You will know good and you will know evil. You will be driven from the garden. And then he does something that's absolutely amazing. And it's in one verse and it's so easy to miss. Genesis 3.21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. He gives his judgment. He tells them, this is, this is what's happened. This is the truth. This is the conviction of what's real. And then he calls them to confess. He calls them to repent, to agree with him. And then he covers them up with skins. You know what that means? God killed something in the garden. Imagine what that was like. The first death. There was no death at this point. Imagine all the little animals bouncing around, bunnies, whatever. And God comes walking through the garden. They're like, oh, look, God's walking through the garden. Awesome. Oh, he's going to go talk to Stanley the deer. Oh, my God. I mean, it would be shocking. God killed an animal. He sacrificed. Why? To cover up our sin. Do you see that picture? The first death in the garden is a sacrifice at the hands of God to make a way to cover them. They didn't even need to be covered, right? It's like, but God, in his, in his loving kindness for them, he covers them. He trades this fig leaf covering for a sacrifice. This foreshadows a day when God permanently deals with it. When God permanently deals with, in Christ, he solves the problem of our shame. God allows us the consequences of knowing good from evil, but he's willing to sacrifice, to cover it, to cover us. Isaiah 61 says, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion of your inheritance. Like God trades our shame. He, he exchanges it. He takes our fig leaf and he gives us sacrifice. He gives us inheritance. When we go to God in our shame, he's the one. He's the one that lifts our head. He's the one who restores us. Paul would say there's now no condemnation. There's no condemnation For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, for those of us who have accepted the covering of Jesus, there is no condemnation. But some of us are living in those abandoned houses, living in the dark, and the Father is calling out, come out. I can't do this for you. I've made a way. Just step into the light. Just step out of that place, the darkness. Therefore, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us 
through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. That's the gospel. That is the gospel. That is, the go- that, that is not fire insurance for when you die. That is life today. That is the pursuit of God today. That we can leave these places of darkness and shame and we can, we can be vulnerable with one another and we can live naked. We can live free in him when we feel that need to cover ourselves with our own attempts, God will be the one to clothe us in righteousness. When we feel the shame for things that we've done or that have been done to us or things we've been told, we go to God. We go to God and we say, you tell me, who am I? You tell me who you are. When we have that sense that we're not who we're supposed to be. When we have that bad feeling of conviction, of feeling like I'm living in a way that's inconsistent, we go to him and he's the one that establishes us for us what life looks like. We repent and we go to him and he's the one that tells us, I have made a way. Thank you for coming to me. I love you. I knew, I knew you and I've known you. You were an image bearer. When we're ashamed and we're afraid of God, when we're ashamed and we're afraid of God, we look to the sacrifice of his son and we realize on the cross, his love is greater than our weakness. His love is greater than our weakness. And no one who banks on his promise, the promises of God, will be put to shame. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we pray. We know um, we have professed faith in you. For those of us who have professed faith in you, we believe, Holy Spirit, that you live inside of us. Holy Spirit, that you have made your residence in us. And so we pray that you would be the one to lead us this morning. Holy Spirit, that we would give ourselves to you, that you would continue the ministry of Jesus, that you would testify to the truth of his works. Holy Spirit, convict us this morning of truth that we would know to the, to the deepest part of our being the truth, the truth of who we are, the identity that we share, those things in our life that we deny, that we hide, that we cover up. Lead us this morning. Set us free this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.